You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of The Essential Apple Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to this edition. Ah, uh, this week uh Mark is off cycling. Uh Nick's gone to visit his sister because it's uh, her birthday. Uh, Donnie is uh, busy doing something or other, so uh, you would all quake in fear being left with just me, but no, I am joined by the uh, inestimable Bob Levitus, uh, Dr. Mac himself. So uh, you don't have to put up with just me, you have Bob as well. Hello, Bob. How are you? Welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, and sorry for missing the last one. <laughs> oh, well, it's okay. Don't That doesn't matter. We, uh, we, we, uh, we got by. You know, uh, time time zone cock up. Uh, I think there. Never mind. No, I, I think we should get rid of time zones. I think everything should be at the same time everywhere. Because <laughs> I screw it up almost every time when somebody from overseas makes an appointment with me. I have to like triple check to make sure that I've got the time right, and even then, I got it wrong last time. Yeah, well, never mind. It, it, you know, but it's but it's uh, you know it's I'm one of those now. things. As, and you are here now, and indeed, you have picked the correct week by the yes. it, to to turn up and uh, help me out. So uh, let me see what's happened this week. Uh, slackers everywhere lost their collective cool over a new Slack logo, which. Um, has been described as a variety of things, uh, perhaps the kindest being uh, four ducks. Um, some much ruder comments were made about it. Uh, <laughs> Apple put some uh, iPhone SEs on clearance for a mere $249, and they sold out almost immediately. Um, what else has happened? Um, well, actually, not a huge amount, really. Uh, in big news, there was... Uh, let me see. Uh, DuckDuckGo uh, put Apple Maps uh, into their service. Stopped using, um, or not stopped, uh, they've added Apple Maps is the truth. Um, because before they were using um, a collection of different mapping um, sources, including uh, OpenStreetMap. Uh, so now you can use a Apple Maps uh, with DuckDuckGo, which is a good thing, I think. Um, but there you go. It's been a relatively quiet week. Uh, I guess we, you know, it's sort of post CES and pre Mobile World Congress, isn't it? So there we go. Ah, uh, but that doesn't matter because we can find plenty of things to talk about, can't we, Bob? Um, one of which, <laughs> one of, I'm sure. I'm yes, sure. I'm sure we will. Uh, and of course, uh, well, as it happened just earlier today, I was listening to uh, you, Bob, talking to Brian on the uh, Apple Context machine. Um, and you had a rather uh, interesting thing. I mean, for a start, you were telling um, Brian, which I found fascinating, that you'd taken up uh, woodwork and that you were getting into cabinet making. Well, cabinet and furniture. Yeah, it's, I've always liked working with wood and I've always uh, tried to build things, but I never knew what I was doing. <laughs> and so, you know, I was able to, you know, wield a hammer and, and 
when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So I, I could build stuff, but it was crummy and not very uh, appealing and not very long lasting usually because I didn't know what I was doing. So I decided to enroll in school again. So I'm back in, uh, I'm going to Austin Community College to learn woodworking, furniture making, cabinet making. And I'm having a blast. It's great. I like, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of doing stuff on my Mac. I'm creating stuff with my hands, but instead of typing now, I'm actually, you know, making things with my fingers. And I like that. I'm, I'm always, always was into making things. You know, when I was little, I used to make models and, and build things and tear things apart. And so, so for me, it's just kind of a, a, I needed a hobby. I need something to do to stand up when I'm, when I work, I sit. And if I sit too long, I get all stiff. So I kind of wanted to find something, a hobby maybe that I could alternate sitting at my desk typing and standing and moving around doing something else and woodworking fits the bill. And I like it. So I've been building stuff like crazy. I'm building a rolling cart for my kitchen today. Last week, I built a beautiful, uh, I'll send you a picture of it. Brian was really impressed with this. It's a, a really pretty uh, pecan and uh, wenge, which is a dark wood striped uh, cutting board. Here, I'll send you a picture in the notes in the uh, right. chat thing. But yeah, it, it's I'm having a great time. And there's actually a, a very cool like interrelationship between using a computer and making things out of wood called CNC routing, which is my next, the next thing I want to conquer. Uh, and that is computer controlled, like carving, basically. You put a piece of wood down and you send it instructions um, and it carves the wood, you know. It, it can actually, you know, carve a logo into a table or carve a piece of sculpture repeatedly over and over. Or just about anything that you can make out of wood, you can cut with a computer. And see, I have no talent to draw or paint, but I can paste and copy. <laughs> and so being able to, you know, take a logo and paste it into a, a piece of software and then have it cut out of a piece of wood, to me, is magic. I'm just so excited about this. It's, um, <clears throat> I have to say CNC routing is um, something that I always find fascinating, uh, you know, especially to watch. You know, you you just uh, it, it oh, yeah. seems like it seems like magic, doesn't it? As the machine just sort of and something appears. It's uh, I love watching time lapses of them. You know, because yes. it takes a long time. Some of these pieces take ten hours to cut, but if you get the time lapse, you can just kind of. It's, it's, sort of, it's sort of like 3D printing in reverse, really, isn't it? You, it? It is. Well, 3D printing is additive, and this is subtractive. Yeah, so exactly. It's, it's the inverse. It. It's kind of the inverse of 3D printing. Yeah. In, in 3D printing, you start with nothing and build it up from uh, scratch layer by layer. And in this, you start with a block and, then, and tear it down layer by layer <laughs> until you've got what you want. Cut away at it until you uh, reveal the you know the inner object, as my right. But it's, would two, have it. it's really two approaches to the same problem. Yeah, Just one is subtractive, one is additive. But but the the deal is it's always a hundred percent reproducible. You yes. know, if you make it from a piece of of code, if you send it an instruction, the next time you send it that instruction, assuming everything is set up right, it'll come out exactly the same. That's impossible to do by hand, by oh, the way. Obviously. <laughs> totally, totally, which is, you know, uh, you know, which is why, it, it, why we needed the Industrial Revolution to make, you know, uh, things like accurate cogs and gears and so on. 
there's, there's no way to do yeah. it but no no accurate way to do it by hand or at least not you know reproducibly so uh no and some of this stuff is completely impossible to do without machinery you know i i was in germany and i saw them 3d modeling stuff uh for a bugatti there's actually parts in the bugatti that are 3d modeled because even at fifty thousand dollars a part it was cheaper than casting them and then it turned out the part they needed had so many thin and intricate pieces that it couldn't be cast it could only be 3d printed so it's like they're making these brake calipers that would be impossible any other way to build. They're built out of magnesium and titanium and something else, some super strong alloys. But they look like spider webs. They've got li- really thin lines, and they are, uh, they're they're 40% lighter and like 100% more stir- stable or sturdy than cast metal would have been if you could even have done it in cast metal, which you can't. Yeah. So it's exciting. I mean, it's like all of a sudden they're using 3D modeling to to create things that were not possible at all before 3D, you know, before 3D printing. Yeah. Yeah. That's dumb. It's very impressive. So I want to learn all this stuff. I don't, I, 3D printing, not so much, but routing. I love the idea that I can take a piece of wood and, and you know, design something and have something a machine cut it for me perfectly rather than me sitting there on a lathe for six hours <laughs> spinning a piece of wood and then breaking it you know like a machine is less likely to cause waste than me that's what i think oh i'm getting an echo from your uh, speakers now bob okay hold on so tell me if that's better and if not i'll plug in some headphones uh let's have a sound no I can I can hear. I don't know how, but I was not hearing anything to start with, but right, now I am. Hang on. hang on. The headphones are hanging right here. And I learned my lesson. I'm using the closed back headphones <laughs> because the open back headphones don't do much. No. <laughs> For microphones, they sound great. But... All right. There we go. Yeah, the headphones really do. I mean, they're they're bulky and they're hot, and I kind of prefer not to wear them, but sometimes they're essential. Like when I'm recording vocals. Yeah. <laughs> that was very weird because there was there was no echo at all to start with, and then all of a sudden it just appeared. And I didn't move anything. I no. didn't touch I didn't change any levels. I didn't like reorient the microphone or the Mac or the speakers. Nothing. No, there we go. Never mind. Oh all right, yes, we're this good. Is, this is your cutting board I see here. That's very the one I made for my mom, yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Very nice. So um anyway, yeah, as uh, obviously the three D routing thing, but um you were telling Brian, weren't you? Um, which I found, again found really interesting. That you said you'd um, you'd seen a, a not actually a three D, you know, not a CNC router, but like a CNC plotter cutter. A very inexpensive one. I was shocked. So I went to here in the U.S. We have a chain of uh, craft stores called Michaels. I don't know if you have them over no, there. We but don't, but I'm sure they we have sell, something similar. Yeah, they sell you know craft materials, so you can go in there and buy all kinds of paint and glitter and uh, modeling materials and uh, pens and oh, just just about anything you can think of for a craft beads. So I went in there looking for some. Um, what was I looking for? I was looking for some, uh, I was going to build a clock and they sell the clock kits, which is just the back of a clock and numbers. Yeah. yeah. You, you supply the material. So I was looking for one of those and, and I see this thing called a cry cut, C-R-I-C-U-T. I, I think it's called cry cut. Maybe it's cricket, but it, uh, it's a cutting machine and they've got it on sale and it's right, you know, it's in, on an end cap and, and a big display. And I, 
I said to the one of the salespeople, what does that do? Because it said works with Mac or PC. I'm like, what does that do? What can I do with that? I want one. What is it? She said, oh, that's a, a cutting machine. That will cut uh, just about any material that's thin, you know, fabric, uh, vinyl, paper, cardboard, balsa wood, basswood, uh, leather. Really? So that sounds to me like 2D CNC. <laughs> You know, I, I can't cut depth, but I can cut shape. I said, wow, how much are those? Oh, that one's a $199. The one that, that will do leather and everything else is, I think, $400, $300. But it's, I mean, CNC machines, I think the cheapest I've seen that isn't a build-it-yourself is about $3,000. And that's a very small, you know, uh, somewhat limited home setup. Um, the big ones are a lot. They oh, cost yeah. a lot. So I'm thinking, you know, wouldn't that be neat if I could cut stencils for spray painting things, uh, which I do by hand, but it's a pain. You know, it takes a long time to cut out uh, a bunch of letters if that's what you're doing. Um, Or a logo, for example. Like if I'm trying to inlay a logo, I need to make a frisket or a stencil. Um, And this will let me cut them right from the original art. So I always take the art, put it into, well, I use Affinity Photo now. I used to use Photoshop but I don't because it costs 10 bucks a month and I couldn't stand paying for it every month when there was affinity photo for 50 bucks total. That's a, that's a British product, I believe. Yep. Uh, affinity. So, um, affinity. Yeah. It's um, affinity Serif. by Serif. Yes. Serif, uh, who uh, are a British company. They've been going around pretty much since uh, certainly sort of since the dawn of desktop publishing. We had, um, we had Ashley on the show actually. Um, a little while ago, um, and they were very famous for producing um, all their stuff was Windows. They had um, a, a big range of products called uh, Plus. So there was a uh, Draw Plus, Page Plus, you know, Web Plus, Photo Plus. Um, very, very good products, which they you know sold inexpensively, and um, they very much uh, thought it was time that they needed to. Um, as I said, the code was beginning to creak, um, and they wanted <laughs> to uh, build a new modern code base, and so they decided to go uh, Mac first, um, and because they'd never really made a dent in the professional market, um, possibly because they, you know, sold to Windows at budget prices um, originally. Um, but yes, uh, the, there's uh, Affinity Photo, which obviously is a Photoshop competitor. There's Affinity Designer, which is an Illustrator competitor, um, and in beta they have one called Affinity Publisher, which is a you know desktop InDesign. Yeah, and basically an InDesign competitor. Uh, so yeah, um, and, and they I sell for about. I, I got to tell you, I I love Affinity Photo. I I've been looking for something that would let me switch from Photoshop, which I've used for I think twenty some years. And I, I have muscle memory from like the eighties of yeah. all those shortcuts and how to change tools. And so I needed something that kind of mimicked yeah. uh, a lot of those things. And I find that affinity photo, it works the way I expect it to. Most of the key commands are the same. Most of the menu items are where I expect them. And it works in a lot the same way as Photoshop, although I think it's faster. <laughs> um, but other than that, it costs 50 bucks instead of 10 bucks a month. Yep. 50 bucks like to own it forever. Yep. That's it. It's $50, $50 uh, basically outright. Um, and then so is so is the designer. And I'm probably guessing that the uh, desktop publisher will be the same. Probably. 
So, uh, and they've got a great iPad app. I, I'm not much of a iPad photo editor guy, but um, they've got a full featured yeah, version of it that runs on your iPad. They have a full so, featured version of both the photo and designer on the iPad. That is true. Right, right. Which is, um, you know, and they were pretty much the first people to get there with that. So there we go. Well, they're very, they're very slick. If you're using Adobe stuff and you'd like not to pay by the month, you might want to check out Serif's products that are 50 bucks each yeah very much so uh, I'm, and i'm looking now at this um at this page this cry cut i think it might be cricket because on the here they've got a little pair of sort of antenna on the sea uh-huh. and it's I green know. so i think maybe That's it's meant a... to be a cricket anyway um versatile powerful revolutionary hundreds of materials with effortless precision with this cricket maker which changes everything um machine tools craft on point with commercial grade tools uh, yeah lovely and... i mean it's amazing i saw it at this like craft store and i'm thinking how could i not know about this already it's a mac thing you, you get up to your mac and send it files so you know you design on your computer why wouldn't i know about this and, and then i realized they're not ever they're not they're marketing people they were surprised to hear from a computer journalist you know they were they were like oh well, we're we kind of like arts and craftsy <laughs> I think they were a little surprised that a tech journalist was interested in this. But, you know, it's it's funny. I've talked to a lot of people that know a lot about Macs, and none of them had heard of these machines. And when I describe it, they go, oh, I want that. Yeah. So I'm going to write a review. Mine, mine they, they said they've got one coming. Uh, I guess it'll get here this week, next week. And they're setting me up with a uh, one-hour consultation with one of their designers to talk about some of the thing, a video chat, so that he can show me some of the things I can do, and then you know help me uh, get started with my first project. Well, at the moment on their I'm on their website, which is uh, shopcricket.com. Uh, the machines themselves, uh, the maker. There are, there are other machines, by the way. There are some smaller ones, aren't there, apparently? Cheaper yes, ones. Yes, yes. But this one here, which I, I'm guessing is probably the sort of the main machine. Uh, I think that's the top of the line there. Yeah. The, the, the maker. maker machine is currently on offer at $349.99, so $350. Um, and it's available apparently in champagne, blue, or rose. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... Uh, they are have they have a um a maker machine plus essentials bundle um and that's currently at four hundred dollars so effectively um nearly two hundred dollars off the list price. Yes, I'm I'm I mean that to me is a really low price for this because if you're a if you're a craft person and you're making something commercially, you know, think of everything you see on Etsy. Uh, yep. If it's anything that's you know printed or cut. This might be able to give you a workflow that could you could make a profit at it instead of losing money on every one you sell and trying to make it up in volume. And That's I, a Steve Jobs quote, by the way. Yep, <laughs> it is indeed. Um, and you you were saying um, on the thing as well that it doesn't only cut, does it? You can because I'm figuring that this is in effect a, a sort of like a two D plotter that uses. Um, you know, various knives or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Knives instead of knives, or they've got these other things. Um, yeah. Scoring wheels. So you can, uh, you can score material, you can mark material, you can use blades and you can use pens. So it can actually do plotting also. That I have to say is a very impressive machine for. I know. I know. I'm just so excited that I found this at a, at a craft store 
And I'm like the first tech guy to jump on it, as far as I can tell. It, I was looking is... for reviews in, in any publication I read, and I can't, you know, I've never even seen it mentioned. No, no, I, I've never, you know, we, we, I, I guess we've all heard that, you know, you can, 3D printing machines are sort of available to the, uh, you know, for the home market if you want to make chess pieces and plastic dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> or, or, as Brian said, to replace your missing Lego pieces. But um, no. I've never heard of of you know something such like a this. thing. I know. I'm market. very I'm very excited, and it looks like you know from all the feedback I'm reading from people who are using these, the, it's it's different from anything that's ever been before. There's I, I I hear there's other cutting machines that have been out, uh, but this is supposed to be the most versatile, the most. Uh, uh, upgradable you know you can change the the blades out there's like probably a i don't know how many but maybe a dozen different kinds of blades and scoring uh wheels and pens and you know i mean it's it's very versatile for 400 dollars. you've got painting or, or drawing yeah. cutting and scoring fabric to to cut fabric or to mark a pattern so i, I don't know that much about that stuff but i have to think if i can find 10 uses for this and i can uh most people could find, you know, 10 things they want to do craft-wise that, that this would make uh, easy work of. Yeah. Because you don't need to be able to draw. That's the problem for me is I have a lot of trouble with anything that requires a stencil or a, a, a template because I have to cut it out myself if I'm, if I'm going to. I just don't know any other way. I have an X-Acto knife and a little pad on the table so I don't cut the table when I'm cutting it. And then I get a magnifying glass out and because my eyes are old. What a pain. You know, if I could just take the Apple logo, dump it, in, dump it in a file and have it carved into a piece of wood, well, that would save me hours. Yeah. that's Hours a, and hours and hours. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yes. Absolutely fascinating. And um, I know, you know, obviously the listeners will know that you've written, you know, 80 books about Apple. You've done uh, recently, obviously, I know you did um, Mac OS uh, Mojave for dummies. Yes. Um, and you obviously last time you were on, we were talking about uh, you know working smarter for Mac users. Yes. Is, of course, at Mac uh, working smarter for Mac users dot com. Um, yes. Where you have your uh, you know your video course, which you uh, which I did, which is very good, very good indeed. Oh, thank you, thank uh, you. In, uh, I'm working on an update. There's in February we're going to introduce the uh, 2019, I guess, supplement which will have some Mojave stuff and some iOS 12 stuff that I think, uh, you know, is, is well in the wheelhouse of working smarter, but wasn't in the original course. So there's a bunch of stuff like the new screenshotting stuff, I think is really useful and good for productivity if you know how to use it. So I'm going to yeah. do a lesson on that. I got a bunch of stuff in, in Mojave and a few things in iOS 12. So there'll be, I think it's going to be about a one hour course that'll be an add-on to the old course uh so if you take it you know after next month you'll get that with it and i think i'm going to give it to everybody that already took the course maybe sell it separately too yep but i've already written it i'm starting production monday i'm going to be shooting monday i've got lights and cameras all over the office (laughs) well uh yeah as i say i did it well um, what what is it is 50 the the main course is what 50 videos is that am i get i think it's 70 73 
70 or 73 videos it's about five hours of of uh content yeah but it's all in small digestible chunks you don't have to yes i I took a lot of i took a lot of pains to make sure no lesson ran more than about 10 minutes why because i have add and i can't sit still for more than 10 minutes (laughs) so if i can't sit still to 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 uh record it I'm sure you can't sit still to watch it. So I kept them all. I think almost every lesson is well under 10 minutes. Yep. Yep. I, I, uh, I did that. Plus, they, they look great, by the way, on the phone or uh, iPad. Yes. So that's the other thing I did was the 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 platform I use, Thinkific, is optimized for all devices. So if you've got a web browser, it'll look good where, whatever you use. And that's great for yep. me because I watch lessons in line. And, you know, I'll be at the grocery store. If there's a long line, I put in my put in my AirPods and watch a lesson of something. You know, I can learn something while I'm waiting in line. Five-minute lessons. Yep, definitely. There you go. That's my um, thing. That's your thing. <laughs> and uh, John Nemo, who's uh, not got a hardware still this week, uh, people, because uh, he's traveling, off traveling, having a little break. Um, but John Nemo, who uh, we know likes to play the guitar, uh, said I should uh, ask you about your musical um you know, well, I, I used to be in a band. I used to be in a band. Some of you may have seen me. Um, it's called the Macworld All Star Band. We played once a year. All right, yes. At, at Cirque du Mac, which was the party that Mac Observer used to throw back in the day when we had Macworld Expos. So we were the Macworld All Star Band. We we used to say we're the band that only plays once a year, only rehearses once a year, <laughs> whether we need it or not. <laughs> Because um, Brian is Brian part of that? Because didn't Brian play the bass? Yeah, Brian was Brian was one of our guitarists. Yes, and Chris Breen and Dave Hamilton and uh, oh, let me I, I don't want to leave anyone out. Chuck Latornos. Uh, wait, we had two bass players. Who's the other bass? Dwayne Dwayne, of course. And who else? I think that's it. That's the whole band. Yeah. Oh, Paul Kent, lead guitar. All right. Okay. Can't forget Paul Kent, who was the uh, manager of Macworld Expo and also one of my favorite guitarists. Wow, there we go. So that's that's one of the things I think he was talking about was, hey, did you know that we have a band? <laughs> uh, we're coming back. We're going to have a comeback tour one of these days. Comeback. We hope. We hope. And then the other thing uh, musically was, I, I just, Brian and I were talking the other day about uh, how much I love Apple Music. You know, I used to uh, listen mostly to old music, so I didn't buy a lot of new music, but every once in a while, I'd find something missing from my collection. So I'd say I was probably spending 20 bucks a month on music okay. in the past. Yep. Now I spend 15 bucks a month for Apple Music, and my family gets it too. And now I have 50 million songs in my pocket. Yeah. And so, you know, I, if I had bought those one by one, I, I'd, well, I'd never get there. And, and <laughs> plus, I'd be very broke. The, the, what I love, though, is whatever I can think of, I can just say, hey, S lady, play, blah, blah, blah. And she plays it as long as I speak clearly. <laughs> and it's not it's not something like uh, a song that has, you know, 40 million recordings of it, like play White Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, which never get the version you want. Well, I've learned something. Okay, when you want her to play music, you should if if it's something that might be uh, covered by someone else, you want to say the artist's name. So you want to say, "I want to hear Walk on the Ocean" by Toad the Wet Sprocket, because you don't (laughs) want to hear the cover. Uh, Or I want to hear Let It Be 
by the Beatles. I want to hear yesterday by the Beatles because otherwise who knows you yeah. could get any, any version of yesterday. Um, but it's so awesome to be able to think of an album. I was in the car the other day and I got, got a tickle in the back of my head. I guess they call them earworms. I got an earworm to hear uh, thick as a brick, which is a old Jethro Tull yep. song. That's about 25 minutes long. I, know, I don't but... know if I, I owned it or I, I'm sure I owned it on vinyl. I probably own it on CD, but I don't know that it was on my phone. I'm driving along and I just say to the S lady, hey, play Thick as a Brick by Jethro Tull. Boom, comes on. Hey, play that new Beatle album. Uh, she doesn't know that. But if you say it right, if you say, please play the new Beatles White Album Super Deluxe Edition, she'll play all 107 tracks of it. Wow. Yeah, and then you can say play them, play, shuffle, and she'll shuffle them. That's even more fun. But I just love this because I've got, there's so much old music that I don't have that I'd like to listen to, but I don't want to buy. Like most of it, I only want to probably hear once. So having having Apple Music lets me, you know, just whatever is in my head, I can hear instantly without having to search. I, I don't know where I've got probably... Well, I don't have any vinyl left, but I have CDs somewhere in the house, somewhere, somewhere. And I've got a CD player somewhere, maybe. <laughs> you know, so, so to listen to something for me would be involved, to say the least. If I hadn't ripped it and put it in my iTunes library, it would be hard. So having Apple Music, and my family loves it. My, my family are all of them, except my daughter. My daughter pays for Spotify. I said, why would you do that? They've got the same music libraries. They, they both have the same 50 million songs, pretty much. Not exactly, but you yeah. know, I'd say 99%. She said, oh, I have 200 playlists in Spotify. <laughs> I said, so that's worth $10 a month out of your own pocket? She's an adult daughter. I mean, she's yeah. not a kid. But she, she's, yeah, she said, yeah, that's worth 10 bucks a month. Because I said, I gave you the same thing. Just you don't get the playlists. You have to recreate those. Oh, that's too much work. I'll pay $10 a month. <laughs> well, they but the rest of my family love, love, love being able to just, you know, think of something, say it, and hear it. It's almost space age. You know, it's like the future. <laughs> Living in the future. Yeah. And what I want is the neural connection where I just have to think of a song and it starts playing. Well, you do, you do realize that might not be as far away as you think, Bob. Um, we, I had I came across a story the uh, the other week, which ne never actually made it into the show, but it was about um, brain interfaces. Um, because you know, uh, it's probably much further on than we get to hear. Because not um, obviously at the moment, the main the main um, people working on brain machine interfaces are. Uh, people working on technology for, you know, people who are severely disabled. Uh, people, you know, be, be they quadriplegics or, uh, you know, the blind or uh, people who are, uh, you know, amputees, multiple amputees and so on. Um, right. And it, it was a fascinating article. Um, showing... Yeah, I've read, about I've read about it in the past and thought, you know, someday they're just going to hook the computer right up to your brain. You're not going to have to have a mouse or a keyboard. You just think it and it'll get typed and printed. <laughs> I, I believe that's the case. I mean, I believe we're going to see that. Maybe not in my lifetime, but I think we're not that far. I think I you're right. I think we're like, you know, some 10, 20 years out from really being able to plug a computer right into the brain stem directly. But some, some of these... Um brain interfaces that uh, you know neural links they're working on particularly for people who are um you know severely disabled are surprisingly uh you know efficient um and 
obviously anything that helps somebody who's you know be they paralyzed or amputee or whatever is is fantastic but they are really coming on with this you know the ability to plug um the technology directly in to, to these people's brains yeah so someday it'll come to us you yeah. know i mean that the, the, they're bra- they're being the groundbreakers they're the path the trail blazers and then the technology will trickle down, although, I, I don't know, having something implanted in your brain uh, just because it'll be cool, I think, is <laughs> questionable morally. I don't know if you, you know, might prevent them from implanting you if you're, you know, if you just want to be cool. Yeah, and well, computer I'm sure that, I'm sure there would be people who would who would go for it. But I'm sure, uh, again, with such technologies you know they will go you know initially it will be yes you know people who are handicapped who are disabled who are um you know for whom you know having a hole drilled in their skull and a piece of technology put in is a a huge boon um (laughs) it's like well yeah that's better than the alternative okay yeah do it but (laughs) i'm pretty sure these things you know they tend to gradually move out to well, we'll just stick a few sticky, you know, electro pads on the back of your neck. And, yeah, uh, pretty soon we'll have walk-in clinics where you can have your computer connected to your brain in 45 seconds. Yep. <laughs> and then the next thing, I guess, will be, you know, Geordie LaForge style, you know, the, the pads just touch your forehead and, uh, you know, you can pick up enough electric from there to uh, divine what right. you're thinking. And yeah. then... Then we're going to need the VR headsets. <laughs> so the whole thing is self-contained. It's, it goes for the circuit is from your brain to the glasses. It goes to the brain to the CPU, CPU to the glasses. That's All it. self-contained and wearable. <laughs> yeah, so I I'm think looking forward to that. I hope that happens in my lifetime. That'd be cool. Although you know that if, you, if that does happen, you are likely to be called a glass hole. Mm, well... That's what they call them. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure that, um, you know, within a few years, uh, AV, I'm pretty sure that AV glasses are going to become a big thing. Um, I, I agree. I agree. The the augmented, I, I still see huge use for the augmented reality stuff. I haven't seen any good, like really good use of it on a iPhone or anything yet. But I do believe I saw some demos in Germany of, uh, augmented reality stuff that for production that really was cool you know it's like wow wouldn't that be great if you didn't have to touch anything to find this part number or to see how to put that in or very cool stuff so you're standing at your workstation you don't know exactly how to install the part it just shows up you know floating in that floating in the air in front of your eyes you ask it you know you talk to it by voice and it responds by projecting stuff you know in the glasses very cool yeah I, I very much do think that that is going, and um, I think we meant I mentioned last week. There's um, there was a, a company that have brought out some AR glasses, which is retailing at about thousand um, dollars, which you know the article seemed to think was expensive, and I thought, well, not really. I mean, you're paying that for your phone these days, so yeah. The problem I think is most people aren't going to walk around with immersive glasses on their face all day. No. I mean, it's got to be something like you know unobtrusive and and uh, um, 
You know, then the user interface. I think when it happens, Apple will probably be the winner because they know how to do user interface. And I think this is for this to work, the user interface is going to have to be fantastic. Oh. Otherwise, it's just going to be a pain in the ass on your face. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You have got to get it. You know, it, it's got to be um, a kind of HUD that works, doesn't it? Exactly. Exactly. And it's got to stay out of your way when you don't need it. Yeah. But be easily recallable when you do. And, you know, I'm excited. I, I, I keep thinking next year or the year after we're going to see something really good in, uh, in the augmented, like wearable space. Yes, I think uh, I, I'm thinking 2020 personally, maybe, yeah. 20, maybe 2021. Um, no, 2020 is perfect because that's perfect vision, isn't it? 2020. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that is true. That would be that would be a top year, wouldn't it, to release some. That's kind uh, of a, I don't know what that's called, but I yeah, like that. Serendipity. Serendipitous, right. 2020 is the year we're going to get full laser vision in our glasses. <laughs> oh, dear. So, um. What we we were talking we were talking earlier about um obviously you're talking about uh affinity designer yes um, there's a, another um another company we've had on here Beelight uh, Software who uh, produce a, a product called uh, Swift Publisher yes I'm um, familiar with it yeah and familiar with them yes it's they a, also make my the business card thing I use business yes, card creator business composer composer business card yeah. composer yep. um and they do a live uh they've launched a live home 3d thing for modeling your you know um is interior. that on the mac yes because i have i have it on the uh i have it on my ipad yes it's available i, didn't know that, I think it is available for the mac too yeah, yes yeah yeah they make cool stuff they're they're in i think ukraine you, or uh yeah ukraine yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff coming out of Ukraine lately. Yeah. You know, that's where MacPy is. And we're Brian and I talked about SetApp saying, you know, hey, this is one of those little overlooked things. We've all written about it, but, you know, how often can you write about something? Once a year, once every two years? So in the meantime, it's gotten way better, and, you know, no, nobody's talking about it. I love it. It's like Netflix for apps, yeah. and I'm an app so having a hundred <laughs> apps I didn't have to pay for that I pay ten bucks a month to rent, a hundred and twenty I think now it's great. Like the other day I wanted a flowchart thing. I, I wanted to do a flowchart and I don't have a flowchart program. And there were like three of them in set app and I looked at, found one that looked pretty good. And there we went. Timeline. I wanted to do a timeline. Same thing. Mind map. I don't even know how to mind map, but I wanted <laughs> to try a mind mapping tool. There was one in there. There you go. Anyway, I would uh, say try that. Yeah, if you haven't already tried it, try it. Um, but uh, Be Light uh, have launched um, uh, a public beta for a new product, uh, which is called Amadine, uh, which is a vector uh, design, graphic design, similar to uh, Illustrator slash, you know, uh, designer. Designer. Yeah. Um, at the moment, it's a very early beta, um, but you can uh, download it for free. Uh, to play with and obviously send feedback to Be Light. Um, and you can find that at amadine.com. And that's A M A D I N E.com. Um, I, I don't do object, I don't do any real work in objects. I never used Illustrator when it was the no. big rage because I'm a pixel guy. Um, and so that wouldn't have been on my radar at all. I never even heard of that Be Light no. thing. Well, it's, it's I'm new. I'm glad you mentioned it. It's new. Um, uh, you know, based on the price of their other products, I suspect it will probably end up being about twenty five dollars or something bucks, like yeah. yeah. Cheap. 
Um, not expensive. Probably, I don't, at the moment, looking at it, I don't think it's quite as uh, aimed at the pro as uh, Affinity Designer is, but I, it, it looks like it won't make a very competent um, hobbyist. Well, that, may, that might be a good thing, though, because I have a feeling if designer is like illustrator, it's over most people's heads and, yes. and until they, you know, until you get your, wrap your brain around Bezier curving and stuff. Uh, I found illustrator just, I, I found it much harder for me to get where I wanted to go than when I worked in pixels. Now, yes, it's, it's scale independent. So if I create something with objects in illustrator, I can make it any size and it won't look worse. That's a big thing. Yeah, but I know what size I'm going to work in. So usually <laughs> I can just decide what size it's going to be, work in that size, and not have to worry about it. Cool. So I, I've never been, yeah, I've never been much of a illustrator kind of guy, but I've always respected artists that can because that's really cool to be able to. Do you know uh, Bert Monroy? Mm, no, I don't think so. He's an artist. You, you look him up on the internet and just look at some of his work, but he uses Photoshop with Illustrator uh, to do some of the most amazing photorealistic painting I've ever seen done by a computer artist. Mm. And he's big, big, big on objects because some of his stuff is so huge. Like he does large scale printed pieces, like right. 10 feet tall by 30 feet wide. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's really kind of a master of using the two together to, to make sure that fine detail reproduces at any resolution and any size me i always know exactly what i'm you know where it's going to end up and what size well how many pixels i need across really <laughs> that's all i care about how many pixels <laughs> of course um something like uh you know amadine a vector graphic design uh package is very much what you'd want to be working with to uh get the best from your cricket cutting machine possibly because uh i'm pretty sure that that would probably rely on um on postscript to send him i'm not sure i think they might i'm not positive um i don't know how it works they've got they've got their own software uh they've got software for designing on your ipad and iphone that i haven't played with yet because i, I don't have anywhere to test it with you know, no. I, could play, <laughs> I could play with the software but i wouldn't know if i did it right no because exactly. they can't output but but uh yeah i think i don't know I'm talking about this thing like I've already had it and it's awesome. I've never even touched one yet. I'm just so excited that I'm going to be able to do these things next week. Yeah. I'll keep you posted though. Uh, and, and I promised Brian I would review it as fast as I could. So as soon as I get it, I'll try to put it through its paces and get a review out in the next few weeks. Well, very good. We will keep our eyes uh, peeled for that, Bob. Um, awesome. What else has been going on? Uh, yeah, so that was the Amadine beta, which I, I shall be um, taking part in. Um, and apparently the popular video player VLC is going to get airplay support, um, which would be nice for those who uh, use the VLC video player, which is very popular indeed. Uh, well, VLC, the, the VLC player on your iPhone or iPad will play all kinds of stuff that your iPhone or iPad won't play. Yeah. So having that means not having to transcode. Yep. So if you've got stuff that you're playing in VNC that you'd want to see on your big screen or listen to on your big speakers, uh, I think you're in luck. I think you're going to be very happy here. Yep. Uh, let me see. This this was on uh, the report I've got here is Cult of Mac, but I'm sure you can probably find it else. Um, the yes, the video LAN team are saying about a month 
Um, but I think this report might be a, a week old. So, you know, very soon. soon. Very soon. Nice. nice. So, yes, airplane. It's too late for me. I've already transcoded. <laughs> but but I could see why that would be a exciting thing for somebody that's got a big library of video. Yep, that's true. Uh, DuckDuckGo, as uh, we said earlier, has moved to Apple Maps for mapping-related queries. Um, unsurprising in some ways, I think. To be honest, um, you know, no, because Apple Apple doesn't uh, doesn't what do they call it? commoditize your personal data from maps. Yeah, you know, all it does is is amalgamate it and use it for AI, but it, there's no identifiable stuff, so it fits with DuckDuckGo. It's it like does. okay, we're going to hand off your results to something that we know isn't tracking you either. Yep. So that um, I, I guess that was uh, not a surprise. No uh, details have been released of whatever the deal is between Apple and DuckDuckGo. I mean, um, DuckDuckGo, of course, is available as one of the defaults in uh, Safari. Right. So they have some relationship with Apple. Yeah. Because um, there's only a few choices there. Yeah. I mean, there's Google. Um, I think the two choices are Google, DuckDuckGo, Bing. I don't know. The Wolfram Alpha might have been in there at one point. Anyway, there, there's yeah. not a lot of choice. There's not no. a lot of choice. Um, I've been using DuckDuckGo as my default pretty much. Well, I was using DuckDuckGo before Apple added it as a, a, a default. So I was really happy when they added it as a default. Um, so that's good. Um, yeah, I like DuckDuckGo. Yep. When I remember, I use it. <laughs> well, I, you know, set it as your default, Brian. Go into settings, make it the default, and there you go. You just type in the, type in the bar and you'll get DuckDuckGo results. And Google will be none the wiser. Uh, yeah, but Google has all those great tools that I need. <laughs> Everything else is linked into Google, so I, I, I don't want to change the default. No. But there are some times when I don't want my uh, my search results tracked or associated with my name. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say what. Yeah. And it's not porn either. But I can say that is that where you where, you know when you type in where how do I build a nuclear bomb trigger? <laughs> exactly. Those those kind of things are the things you want to ask on DuckDuckGo. <laughs> You know, exactly how do I build, uh, you know, a, a low-yield nuclear weapon? Uh, <laughs> Suitcase-sized, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, quite a lot of um, security stuff this week. Uh, I, I don't know if, you, if you're if you big on tracking the security stuff, Bob. But, um, no, I leave that to Dave Hamilton. Yeah. Um, I, I listen to his show, and he talks about security, and I go, okay. Okay. It's not time yet. <laughs> you know, it's like here's the thing. I'm not running. I, I run uh, what's it called? Malware bytes. Yeah. Uh, manually, occasionally, to make sure that nothing has happened. But you know, it's been how many years we've had Mac OS 10? Uh, Twelve years, fourteen years. Yes. I don't even know. It's a lot of years. Well, and so far, because I practice uh, safe computing, let's say, uh, and don't download stuff from sites that have uh sketchy names you yeah. know, like like sam's emporium of downloadable software or something yeah. like that. sorry sam um and i don't open links in emails or texts that you know might lead to something malicious i, I i'm i'm pretty hard to fool and and so i don't run anything like interactively i don't run anything that's going to ping up and go hey you just got a virus because i don't get viruses very yeah. often and when i do they're usually these inoffensive things that are like browser uh what do you call it browser cruft oh, <laughs> browser yeah. 
uh, I, I, and, and so I just don't, you know, I, I've never found one that I'm happy running on my computer full time. It's it, every, every time I've ever run that stuff, eventually I find it either chewing up all my CPU or, uh, reporting falsely and wasting my time something's always wrong so i find that apple does a pretty good job of protecting me from the outside world and i do the rest myself without running security software so i hear you know on on other podcasts i hear people talk about it and i think eh, it's not time yet for me Uh, there there may come a time when i have to but i'm going to resist as long as i can because every time i try it i end up disappointed and mad it's like oh well this is horrible you know to be fair i have uh the like you i have the malware bytes free which um i run once in a while just to make sure nothing's happened um i i do personally i i use um avira free um right which never has never found anything because like you i do <laughs> fairly uh safe practices um I do, uh, I do use Proton Mail, which is uh, encrypted, um, you know, secure mail. I use Proton VPN pretty much all the time to um, uh, keep my, you know, keep my ISP from knowing what I'm doing or anybody else. Um, we're very much, um, you know, I'm very much into things like Ghostry, who we had on last week, and DuckDuckGo, and uh, Proton, and, and people like that, which uh, are sort of part of um security layer, rather than direct security, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, for those who uh, aren't aware, there was a huge uh, leak this week. Um, Troy Hunt, the 773 million record collection number one data breach, uh, where, well, 773 million records containing... um, Wasn't that everybody in the world? (laughs) Well, apparently, uh, it's... uh, What's it? There were... How many is out there he's got? I don't know. It's about a billion unique combinations of email addresses and passwords. Uh, which 2.6 he, billion. Yeah, uh, which he said um, after he'd uh, cleaned the data up a bit and removed some rubbish and some uh, approximately, yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, you're right. You're right. 772. After yeah. cleaning. Yeah. Uh, and even okay, said that he said it. it's not. But, uh, and 21 million unique passwords. Uh, apparently gleaned from all over the place. Um, it's all been sent to have I been pwned. So um, there you go. But uh, everybody should be aware that that's a vast number. They've been collected from all sorts of data breaches, it would appear. Um, not great news, I guess. Um, and related to that, um, the computer scientist David Majorman, I assume that's how you pronounce it, uh, wants to build a more ethical internet, uh, according to CBBC, uh, CBC News, not CBBC. That's a children's channel here in the UK. I'm pretty sure. Wait a minute, a more that. ethical internet? Isn't yeah. that an oxymoron? <laughs> yeah. Ethical um, internet? Yes. Um, okay. The, the, uh, interesting article. Uh, multi-millionaire and computer scientist David Majorman believes he has met the enemy and it is us. Um, not necessarily flesh and blood us, but our cyber selves, unwitting employees of Facebook and Twitter, absently clicking gobs of personal information into the more of social medias. Um, 
that's an interesting read. Um, he made his money working for uh, Robert Mercer, who is uh, who was part uh, co-owner of Cambridge Analytica um, and a backer of Donald Trump. Um, and as a result of this, he apparently is unhappy with the uh, state of uh, the internet, um, and he wishes to imagine a new kind of internet, one built to be safe and secure, uh, where a constrained Facebook and Twitter would be worth a fraction of what they are today. Uh, well, good luck to him, to be honest. Good luck to him on that. Um, not sure he'll get a lot of traction, because basically it involves asking people who have a lot of money to give some of it up, and people who have a lot of power to give a lot of it up. Um, and if there's one thing people don't tend to like letting go of, it's money and power, in my experience. Um, so there we are. Of course, uh, father of the internet, Tim Berners-Lee, has been trying the same with his solid uh, initiative, which um, is interesting. I have a solid account, actually, um, but it's very geeky and at the moment doesn't really do anything. <laughs> um, it's... I don't know. Maybe if Majorman and uh, Tim Berners-Lee got together, they could, you know... They could figure out how to do the... What What did we call it? The... The more ethical... ethical the ethical internet. internet. Yeah. Um, well, the, the whole solid thing, the concept behind it is, is, is sound, I think, but... Um, the trouble is, at the minute, if you go into it, it it, it is like like um, internet circa nineteen eighty nine. Um, they're going to need some big players to be seriously on board for it to make any impact. I think. So there we go. Um, and are you a are you a mechanical keyboard man, Bob? I am. I uh, I complain bitterly about all of Apple's flat no bounce keyboards and i used uh well i still use a mechanical keyboard but i used matthias matthias keyboards for a long time mm -hmm. then i found something cheaper uh, that no offense to matthias they make a nice keyboard but they're pricey yes they're and not cheap, I'm, they? now i'm buying these microsoft ergonomic 4000 uh wired keyboards for about 35 40 bucks at amazon and they're big behemoths uh with a split keyboard and a padded wrist rest but the keys are the keys under your bigger fingers like the t and the g and the h are bigger because those fingers are bigger and so it makes it really easy to hit the right key also very comfortable it's uh, angled just the right way for me and finally it's relatively quiet and the keys have the exact right amount of bounce if you're a writer or a typist you know what i mean by bounce yep Got to have the right tactile feedback, or it does, or you can't type fast enough. Also, it uh, some some keyboards uh, choke when I type fast. I can type about when I'm when I'm in the zone, 60, 70 words a minute. And some of those flat keyboards don't keep up. Um, and I can't tell if I've registered a key with this. I always know it doesn't click, but I feel it. And so you know, I type just much faster on a mechanical keyboard. I always recommend to people who uh, use a laptop on their desk that they consider adding a keyboard that's more suited to their hands than whatever's crammed into their little laptop. Mm -hmm. You know, laptop, you've got constraints. There's, there's other stuff that's got to go into it. And so the keys can't be bigger than a certain size. And if your fingers are ra rather large, I'm a big guy. My fingers are kind of large. It's, it's nice to have a little extra space for the bigger of those digits. Yeah. Well, um, we've got uh, a worth a chirp here from Mac Jim in the, in the Slack room. 
which is the Keychron K1 mechanical keyboard, uh, which is available for uh, Windows or Macintosh. Uh, it comes in at 87 key or 104 key, uh, with prices ranging from uh, $74 up to $94. So there we go. So basically... That's still, that's still pretty reasonable. I yeah. think the Matthias are more than that. Yeah, I think the, the Matthias is sort of $120, $130, aren't they? Um, Even more, I think. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. I Something. Don't I don't know precisely, but I know that, you know, I know they make very nice keyboards. Um, this is the K1. It's an ultra-slim wireless mechanical keyboard with self-contained switches for easier typing. Um, it's only 18 millimeters thick. Looks like it's, uh, yes, it's available as a, as they say, an 87 or 104. Um, it comes with, uh, you know, Mac function keys, a dedicated screenshot key, and so on, a dedicated Siri key. Um, if you're into that sort of thing, it might be worth looking at. Um, probably not for you, Bob, I would say. It looks pretty compact, uh, which is, you know. But uh, I have to say, from my point of view, um, it's the keys are standing proud uh, on the surface, which is, you know, nice in some ways. But uh, there's no, like, they don't, it's like a, it's almost like uh, a keyboard with no body. Um, not sure I'm keen on that personally, but there we go. But uh, worth like those guitars, like those guitars that are neck only, the portable guitars. Yeah, they don't look like a guitar; they just kind of look like the neck and the key and the tuners. Yep. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's do that. But okay. It's uh, you know, again, it, uh, I'm sure it's probably a very nice keyboard, and if you're into uh, you know, mechanical keyboards, they might uh, might be very much your thing. So absolutely. Uh, and by the way, the keyboard that I like, which I'm going to send you a link to in a second, um, is huge. If you don't have a lot of desk space, it's not. Oh, be yes. I'm, fam I'm familiar with the uh, the, the, um, the, the Microsoft. Microsoft. It reminds me of the old Battleship Saratoga that the Apple used to make the. Yes. The Apple uh, extended keyboard, although this is more ergonomic, but size wise, it, it takes up, you know, half your desk. Yes, because that um, I had. Um, Back in the day, uh, the Apple Extended Keyboard 2 with mechanical switches, which was indeed a lovely, lovely keyboard. But, by God, it was big. Um, and yes, It, it looked did, like an aircraft carrier. It, it did look it like an aircraft carrier, yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and that took up a lot of uh, desk space. I was sorry to, you know, lose its keys, but, um, yeah, it was a big I, I bought... I bought an ADB to USB adapter and kept using mine until it finally, in fact, I think I probably bought one after they were out of production and kept using, I used it for you know, probably five or six years after they went out of production and stopped being supported on the Mac I had because to... of the, the great key switches. And, you know, it was just, my fingers were used to it. And Matthias came out with keyboards that were really similar. They felt really similar to that, but as long as I could get the old big, Apple ones, I was happy they were a fraction of the price. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I feel bad for Matthias because they make great keyboards. If you're really a keyboard f aficionado, you probably want to spend the money on that. I'm not that much of an aficionado and I'm very rough on keyboards. <laughs> so I go through at least one a year. You know, it's like I, I bang on them hard. I, I type hard and I play games. And between all that, my keyboards rarely last much more than a year or two. Take a, so, take a beating. Yeah, so I've got, at least I'm looking in my cupboard, I've got one, I've got one right now in spare. 
I keep ordering these Microsoft keyboards. Like when I break one, I order another one as a spare because I have one here. And I'm afraid they're going out of production is what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid they're going to stay. If they've been making them for like 15, 20 years, same exact thing. They've been been going a long time, haven't they? They, uh, But I'm afraid they're going to go out of production. And when they do, I will buy like three or four more and put them on my shelf. And that'll be a lifetime supply. (laughs) It's my favorite. I mean, I try keyboards all the time. I'm in the enviable position of when a new keyboard comes out, I can say to the vendor, hey, I write about this stuff a lot. Uh, I want to try your keyboard. So I get to try all the, all the keyboards and I haven't written about them lately because nothing, you know, the, the one I like is old news and nothing else has come close. So interesting. Actually here, I'm just looking on, um, Amazon at the Matthias, uh, the wired aluminum keyboard for the Mac UK, uh, retails at 65 pounds. Um, and Hold on a second, Calc. Oh, I'm going to ask, uh, what's her name? I don't want to say her name because then everybody listening will go ding. But we're going to convert how many pounds? Uh, what was that one? That one was about uh, 65 pounds. 65. Convert currency. Convert pounds are different from euros, aren't they? They are indeed. So those would be British pounds to US dollars. Convert. That's $83.68 as of this very moment. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the aluminium keyboard in space grey uh, is basically £100. £100. Mm. Converted to currency that people here will understand. <laughs> Convert, $128. Yeah. So if it's £100, then the dollar is worth 28% more right now. Yep. So there we okay. go. Um so actually, um, you know, like time zones, that always confuses me. Yeah. Well, but well, you know, on based on that price, it's not that perhaps not as expensive as they used to be. Anyway, no, I think they've come down. I think they were like one fifty before, but that and, was that full size battleship Saratoga size or uh, yeah, uh, aircraft carrier size. Anyway, here we go. Uh, there we are. Um, because I know Brian, Brian's um. Talking about keyboards, Brian is uh, big on. Um, doesn't he have a slightly? He has like a cyberpunk keyboard, doesn't he? Or is it? No, I think uh, he steampunk. Does. Steampunk. Yes, I think he does. He has one with big clattery keys, but he's got like round, um, round keys, like a, an old. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. There's a store uh, in one of our shopping malls that's like got betas of hardware products. I don't know. I think it might be called Beta. But they, they had that, and I looked at it, and I thought, that's interesting. So I wrote down the manufacturer's name, and I came home and looked it up, and I sent them a request to review it, and I never heard from them. So. Oh. <laughs> but, I, yeah, it is. It's got regular, like, uh, old typewriter key-type yeah. circular keys, and, and they are actually on, like, a, a thing. They they depress and click, kind of. Yeah, they're on the... So it's uh, clackety. Clackety. It's on the cherry cherry switches, I think. The sprung mechanicals he likes he likes that yeah he also Me, i like the quiet ones I, I i like i mean i like the bounce of the old alps ones or cherry ones but i like the quietness of the ones microsoft's using whatever they are yeah because they are very quiet yeah i i have to admit you know i i i think if i would went back to uh a mechanical keyboard i would uh i would want one of the ones that uh, is quiet not clickety clackety I must admit. Well, certainly if you do podcasting or, you know, talk on the phone, 
you want yeah. the quieter one. <laughs> Otherwise, you can always tell when someone's typing. Like I can type when I'm on a podcast, and if I if I don't bang the keys too hard, you won't know. But yeah. with a lot of my keyboards, you'd know no matter what I did. You know, you just for sure you'd hear it. Yeah. Um, and what have we got here? We've got one more, I guess. Uh, is it just a snippet? Uh, which is uh, Louis Vuitton uh, has released some earbuds which will cost you apparently a thousand dollars. Um, that's two ninety nine for the earphones and seven hundred dollars for the LVs. That is correct. I was going to say they are apparently Master and Dynamics MW07 earbuds, which retail for about three hundred dollars. What a good uh, guess, huh? <laughs> and uh, the rest of it is because he's put uh, a Louis Vuitton uh, LV logo on it. So um, hmm, there we go. If you want to show that you've got money to burn, you can buy some Louis Vuitton earbuds. <laughs> there we are. Um, and I think that's probably about it. Oh, no, one more security story. Apparently, uh, two-factor authentication codes uh, can be fished by a new penetration testing tool. Um, and this was a story on Naked Security, uh, which is Sophos to... Uh, which uh, is basically pointing out, yes, that uh, two-factor authentication by SMS is not really very secure at all. So how, about by, how about by iMessage? <laughs> ah, I wonder. I, iMessage. I wonder, because iMessage is encrypted from end to end. Yes. Yes. So if it sends you your, if it sends you your second factor code by iMessage, not SMS, I think it's okay. Because mm. Apple sends it to your to through iMessage. You know, if Apple's sending you a TFA for any of those apps, they come as iMessages, not SMS. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But if they come as iMessages, can this thing crack them? I would be surprised mm, if it not could. Sure. What does it say here? With every new I, hack. I'm yeah, it becomes yeah. clearer that older forms of two-factor authentication are no longer the reassuring security protection they once were. Um, a tool called uh, Modliska, the Polish for Mantis, is capable of automating the phishing of one-tone passcodes sent by SMS or generated using auth authentication apps. Well, we won't go into the technicalities of it, but the link is uh, in the show notes. Um as we were, we mentioned last week, um, you know, yet again, uh, time to start thinking about, uh, you know, security such as, uh, you know, hardware keys, two-factor authentication keys, and so on. There's always somebody trying to spoil it for the rest of us, Bob, isn't there? Yes, <laughs> I think they should get the death penalty. <laughs> and then they should televise it as a pay-per-view event. <laughs> oh dear right i'm not cynical am i no. i'm not cynical no not at all no we're not you know we're not uh ground down are we there we go all right well bob or, vindict or vindictive no we're not vindictive at all not at all right then we're mellow we are we are so are we done i think we'd probably say that that's uh enough to fill up a show bob so thank you for coming on the show um, I will just mention our giveaways and offers, um, and that is uh, last week we had Pete from Ghostery, um, and they gave g gifted us with ten Ghostery swag bags. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm holding this open for a while for people to get their names in, um, and then I will pull ten out of the hat. 
So uh, email essentialapple at sudomail.com. That's S-U-D-O mail.com with your postal address and, of course, your T-shirt size. Uh, You have to include both or uh, we won't be able to send you one by email. Um, Also, uh, Skylum, we still have uh, a coupon code for uh, Luminar and or uh, Aurora HD 2019. Uh, If you use the coupon code EssentialApple uh, at the checkout, uh, that's all one word, by the way, you will get a $10 discount. And I recommend you I recommend you go try Luminar and or Aurora. They both have free trials you can download. They and do either indeed. of them or both of them uh can fix a photo that's not quite right uh faster than almost anything else I know. I just wrote a review last week or a couple of weeks ago of Luminar. It's impressive. Yep. It's new- really impressive. You take a picture that's just okay and in, in one click. It, it it's like you know the magic uh wand thing in photos yeah you click that and you go did anything happen <laughs> huh oh it's a little better maybe i'm squinting uh no. so this is like the magic wand on steroids it, it's a magic wand that works you can see it work it is and absolutely can, and you can amp it up with a with a slider you know if yep. you don't if it's not intense enough yet just slide the slider one slider it's just great it's fantastic it shows you the before and after uh, if i'm just doing photo editing where i'm just trying to adjust a picture to make it look good that's what i turn to i mean i can do the same thing in affinity photo but it means remembering like 13 different uh controls and and uh filters and things to apply and what order yeah. to put them in yeah. it's it just brilliant it is oh, brilliant it, it is the amazing. only thing it doesn't do is add text and if it added text i might just use it all the time <laughs> if i could overlay if i could do layers and text i might just you know be able to get away with using that instead of a real photo app but it's awesome it, it is, is really it's shocking you know what else is really good while we're on the subject photo lemur Oh yes, yeah. That one's the same, uh, same kind of thing, but no uh, controls at all. That one is really push here dummy. Yeah. So, so with Luminar, you've got some controls. If you if you're not happy with the way it turned out, you can change things, and there's lots of them, and you can do a lot of tinkering. With the uh, with Photo Lemur, you just drag a photo on it and and say make this better, and it does. Yeah. Photo Lima I've, I've is seen uh, very few. I've seen very few pictures that I dragged on it that didn't come out at least a little better, and usually noticeably better without doing anything. Like literally, click once. Yep, it's uh, you know. So check them out. They all, all of them have uh, free downloadable demos. If you take a lot of pictures, something like that is really a, a worthwhile investment. Really worth having. It is, and Luminar, of course. Now the Luminar Three comes with um, photo libraries. So yes. it's, a full, it's yes. now a full-blown, uh, you know, Lightroom uh, competitor with, uh, you know, Alex. When Alex was on, as he said, it's it's not quite there yet. There are some features they haven't implemented yet. There are some things they need to, uh, uh, you know. But all, all if you buy uh, Luminar, uh, all of the uh, updates until at least the end of 2019, you will get for free. Yes. And they've got an aggressive roadmap for things that they're going to add. And also, um, what was I going to say? I forgot. Uh, It escaped me, but they're they're definitely worth checking out if you take a lot of pictures, either Aurora or Lumina or or, or, uh, Photo Lemur. I'm not sure if Photo Lemur is from them also. They they are selling it. Well, they're selling it, but I think it, it might be still from, wasn't it from another company when it first came out? It's, um, it, I'm it not was, 
it's um, Alex explained that the photo Lima is by one of the guys who founded uh, Skylum. Oh, okay, okay, and and That's so they they use the same technology, and um, I kind of thought so. I, they've I kind of merged. So. They've kind of got you know they kind of separated and went their own ways, and now they've come back together. I think is the I get it. Okay, because uh, Photolemur has a lot of the you know a lot of the. Uh, it feels like Luminar without any controls. It is basically very much so. Uh, as so that, that makes sense. Yeah, when when we had Alex on, um, he explained that the you know the uh, the AI behind uh, Photo Lima is also uh, very similar, and what is uh, exploited by Luminar and Aurora HD, um, and yeah, so. Uh, Luminar is very much kind of photo Lima with a whole another layer of uh, adjustability control. Yeah, yeah. right. That's I like it. it. I like it. I, because... I photo lemurs when I'm really in a hurry. I'll just drag something on photo lemur and and you know cross my fingers and say it's going to be fine. It's only going to take two seconds. When I have time to tinker, I I put it in a luminar and play yeah, with it. Well, because and the other thing is luminar of um uh, creating these these things they call looks, don't they? Which are like um, yes. Like uh, presets, you know, presets. They're bunches of presets, many of which you can download for free um, from from them. So yes. you know, they're they're and they're, they're like... kind of cool because you can just click once and say, okay, that I like the look of that because it changes a bunch of parameters all at once. And then yeah. if you love something after you've tweaked it, you can save it as your own look, which lets you apply it later in the future. I remember what I was going to say about their galleries. Yep. The thing that I, I miss is they don't read uh, your photos library right. so you can't you can't point it at the photos library and have it manage those you know and that's where all my photos live right now now i'm not sure i have to have them live there but i think i do because of icloud right you know it's like i don't want to have to manage them so i, I think if if luminar could address that if i could use luminar directly with all the the thir- the sixty thousand photos that are in my photos library that would be awesome then i'd use it all the time I probably never use photos again. No. Well, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure that's probably uh, Alex and his team have probably uh, got that somewhere on their list of uh, things they'd like to do. I guess they probably have to get Apple to uh, give them consent to do that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm wondering because the, you know, the browser, the, the, multi, the media browser window, mm-hmm. that, that's built into Mac OS X, which means that they can see that stuff. I don't know if they can manipulate it, but they could see it. And certainly they could see it to open it. It's saving it back into that database that I don't know. I don't, I don't know that you might have to get Apple's permission. But, you know, you're in your, you're in your like mail and you want to send somebody a picture. You can open the photo browser, which browses your photos library and lets yeah. you choose. So, so, you know, the part of the API is already there. I just don't know if you can do round trip. I would think you can, though, because you can, you can open... From photos, you can open another program as your as your graphics editor, and it'll save it back. And in fact, you could choose Luminar to do that. Yes, you can. You can do it that way because you can. Um, but that's one more step. See, yeah, I'd it, like it, to, I'd like to get photos out of the equation because I don't really care for photos. Editing tools have gotten better, but they're not my favorites. I mean, if I'm going to edit a photo, usually I'm going to try to do it in Luminar or Affinity or something where I have more control. Yeah. No, I, I, I I'm. Hundred percent with you on that. To be honest, uh, I don't. Uh, I don't dislike I'll put photos. In a vote. I'm going to put in a vote with the Luminar folks to get that get that happening. 
Get it so that I can read my photos library and get rid of photos app. Yep, there you go. Well, uh, you know, Alex and his team are always, uh, you know, always available. They're great. They're great. They're a great crew. Uh, right. Well, I think that probably is uh, enough for a show, Bob. So uh, if you would like to, once again, uh, promote your wares. Go to WorkingSmarterForMacUsers.com and sign up for the mailing list, the insider's mailing list, and you'll get some free goodies and uh, you will hear about some exciting uh, new products for next uh, for next month in February. Also, I noticed that you've got uh, ghostery swag bags. I'm going to gift you with something too. So I'm going to gift you with a, a free tuition to my course, okay. which would be worth $500, and also a free copy of the book, Working Smarter for Mac Users, a $24.95 retail value. You can give those away next week, but yep. let me know who wins and I will get them uh, their free their free stuff via email okay bob uh thank you very much indeed uh what i will say then in that case is you heard it you heard it here bob uh has offered some giveaways if you're interested in those uh email the show on essential apple at sudomail.com uh with the subject uh dr mac and uh we'll give that a couple of weeks and then we will pull somebody out of the hat and i'll let bob know so there we go. Awesome. Um, that's great. Uh, that's probably about it. I am on the Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Uh, the show is Essential Apple. Uh, all our stuff is on the website at essentialapple.com. Uh, and also we put the shows up at uh, mymac.com. And... Uh, you can find us on Spotify, you can find us on SoundCloud, you can find us on YouTube, uh, and pretty much anyone who will take our tosh, well, we give it to them whether they like it or not. There we go. So uh, all that's left to do really is to say thank you very much for coming on, Bob. It's been a pleasure, and uh, we'll speak to you again, I don't know, next time. Anytime. Okay. You know my number. Anytime. I do indeed. All right. All right. Fabulous. Talk to you soon. Take care. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Right. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club podcast, the geekiest show ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Everybody, please stand by to stand by. And, uh, well, 
We'll be right back. And welcome everyone back to the MyMac.com podcast. All right, so 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 let's um, let's carry on. But I'm still laughing about something that happened just before we started recording, and we're going to talk about that right now. I don't know if you you heard, guy, but Sal <laughs> Sal Segoin. Did you know that? Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> He's leaving Apple. It's a tragedy for everybody. <laughs> This is not going well, is it? We are so childish. We, we are. Really are. It's the G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. Central Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.